Look at the adjective. Play. Now is the franchise going to take the Viagra? Oh, going to put the butts in the seat. Hello there, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode number 92 of Because WCW, the podcast where the big boys play. My name is the Twisted Genius Dean A.S., and I am joined, as always, by my esteemed blue-ticked verified host, co-host, the DAZN sports journalist, the features editor of Hooked on Wrestling, and the very tired father of a girl who recently had her birthday, Liam Happ. Good evening to you, sir. Oh, man, we are we are getting into a Steve Carino introduction territory, <laughs> aren't we? Have, have you recovered from the wild shenanigans of your daughter's fifth birthday uh, during ju- lockdown? Yeah, just about, just about. We um, A few days before her birthday, we went to Legoland. On her birthday, we went to Colchester Zoo. Obviously, all of these things are now available again Open, with, with yeah. protocols in. Uh, and it was it was good to get back to a degree of normality in that sense. I, I I covered that more than I do going to the pub. Although don't get me wrong, I think when May 17 rolls around and it's not beer gardens only, I'm looking forward to that. But at the moment, I, I think it's because we we don't really have a decent array of beer gardens local, which doesn't help. So it's hard to really want to get into that. But for now, I'm happy with things like Legoland. Nice. By the way, I, I very nearly uh, we as a, a bit of a slip of the tongue. I very nearly described you as the owner of a five-year-old, and then I realised that's not the right term. It's father. Yeah, I'm happy with owner. I've put putting her, putting her to work in the coal mines. You know, paper round by six. Send the canary down with her. Yep. Yep. Oh man. Well, um, yeah. It's uh, well, we haven't spoken since. Uh, since before WrestleMania, it was good. It was good to see some some fans back in a venue. But um, the the weather kind of finally Vince McMahon didn't get lucky with the weather. <laughs> and just to be clear to our listeners, uh, the reason why we we haven't spoke since WrestleMania is not because of some sort of spat between Dean and myself. It's just literally we haven't done an episode since then. Well, I've been having trouble with my internet. My uh, my my internet signal has had a nasty habit of occasionally cutting out. Um, it hasn't done it for a f- for a few days. I'm I'm hoping that it's sorted itself out. But um, if uh, if if you see a sudden and obvious edit and uh, a lot of swearing in the background, uh, then you'll know that something's gone terribly wrong but um today uh, today we're doing a watch along we are uh watching if you want to join with us then we are watching the episode of nitro that was originally aired on the 24th of june 1996 which was the 41st episode of nitro so the previous one was the aftermath of the uh, great american bash 96 and and we're kind of now creeping along on the road towards Bash at the beach towards the formation of the NWO. So I think I think you've mentioned before that we're in a bit of a holding pattern right now. 
Yes, but the 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 build is getting clear because you'll remember we uh we had the announcement at the end of last week's episode that there would be the the six man tag. Obviously, we only we only know two outsiders at this mm-hmm. juncture, but it was announced back when we did out of order. We did Bash at the Beach '96 as a review last year, which we always mention because it's an epic epic episode. Uh, plenty to talk about, obviously, but. Back when we recorded that, we were a little confused, weren't we, about the mentions of a lottery to decide who would enter this match. It's like, why mm. why would you do a roster lottery for a match of this magnitude? It turned out, when we watched last week's Nitro, they picked the top six wrestlers and they drew three, which just so happened to give us... Sting, Luger, and Savage over yeah. the world champion giant. You've got Ric Flair at the top of the pile as well. And ominously, Hulk Hogan was one of the guys who could have been drawn but was not. Yeah. So a, a bit like a, a WCW Super League. Yeah. And isn't it funny so how we're doing... shoehorn that in somewhere. I was fully planning on mentioning the irony of us doing episode number 92 on the hills of news that was that pretty much saved the foot, English football 92. So I had that one up my sleeve ready to deploy later on. Uh, and uh, for those of you who are keeping score, the Because WCW derby between my team, Ipswich Town, and Liam's team, Charlton Athletic, ended nil-nil, and it was 90 minutes of our lives that we'll never get back again. It was about as entertaining as watching the Great American Bash 92, except for Sting Vader. It was it was like watching a Bill Watts tag team tournament that match. Thankfully, uh, Nigel Adkins' addicts bounced back by giving some side called Plymouth Argyle a ruddy good shoeing on their own home turf 6-0. So I'm yeah. feeling good. So um, we were talking about the Great America, sorry, Bash at the Beach 96. I believe that was reviewed by uh, Plymouth Argyle commentator Rob McNichol. Oh, he commentates, does he? He does. He commentates on their um their iFollow, their Ooh, internet stream. Suddenly, yeah. suddenly, I am really wanting to seek out the highlights. <laughs> I've already watched. I've already watched the uh the. I mean, as ever, a fantastic job done by name drop alert Terry Smith and Greg Stubley, who regularly cover the uh the Charlton coverage with like the club situation. Obviously, with these matches, you can get the home commentary of the away commentary yeah. uh, now I really want to check out the home commentary for that match yeah do you right, think he's well, recovered yet probably not no but I'm uh, I'm doing a uh, hooked on wrestling quiz with him on um, Sunday you're so going I'll, to I'll see how you're going to bring it up aren't you it'd be rude of me not to but please uh, please do remind me because you know I'm like hashtag five concussions I'm surprised you remember it's five at this stage I know it's impressive isn't it right um <laughs> We are uh, we are all all set. Uh, someone mentioned on a tweet, didn't they, to me about when I about zero 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 zero, and I can't remember who it was. Say it often enough, and it becomes a catchphrase. This is this is wrestling <laughs> at its absolute best. I mean, we're we're littered with them. I'm so proud of our catchphrases. It's it's more fun than the shows half the time. Oh no! So um, according to the uh, the write up on the WW Network, uh, this the, the main event is Sting and Luger defending the WCW Tag Team Title in a triangle match against the Steiner Brothers and Harlem Heat. Interesting. So, yes. Listen up, slap nuts. That's right. This is Jeff Jarrett, the chosen one, and you're listening to because WCW. Now choke on that. 
Right, so we are all set on the zeros. So are you ready, Liam? Yeah, so don't let me interrupt your catchphrase. Go for it. Okay, I know you're we itching. Are, we are on zero, 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 zero. And we will be, we will be pressing play in three, two, one. Play, cue those burning buildings. Another catchphrase. This bingo card is swelling up. It's stacked, brother. <laughs> Speaking of which, obviously he's still prominent in the fucking introduction. He's poochy. And 13 seconds into this episode of Nitro, Liam has dropped his first F-bomb. There we go. Remember when I did that episode way back when where I didn't swear once and I actually managed Ooh. to do it until the very end? I was I know, proud great. of that. But yeah. I know we always compare Hulk Hogan to Poochie, but it's funny in that the, the biggest... Poochie comparison I've ever seen was legit what happened with this European Super League. Yeah, because the way they all did an about turn. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, American listeners who have no idea, but basically it was a big story week in uh, European soccer. So, uh, yeah, it was incredible, wasn't it, Dean? It was pretty. It was yeah, unprecedented. But here we are. We are in Charlotte, North Carolina, and we know who lives there. So Charlotte. you imagine that the well, yes, you would imagine <laughs> that the uh, horsemen will get a huge reception compared to the other weeks of Nitro where they get a huge reception. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so Larry Zabisco is giving some speech about world, new worlds to conquer. Get on with it, Larry. Come on, we want wrestling. Yeah, he's, he's going for an epic speech without actually anything meaningful. Oh, and he ends with a catchphrase. Speaking of catchphrases, this is where the big boys play, Dino. I heard a rumour that that was the case. <laughs> so, um, Tony did reference that Eric Bischoff is still recuperating from that powerbomb. In yes, fact, and we've also got a massive We Want Flair chart <laughs> in the background already. We're now going to see the powerbomb again. And I know it gets a bit repetitive, Dean, but we do say, in fairness, promote, promote, promote. And it's good to see them putting this up as being a huge thing. But if you remember last week, we just had stills. Now that the replay of the pay-per-view has been and gone and you can't order the pay-per-view anymore, we are now getting the actual footage of this. Yeah. It just gives us the gravitas of this storyline, and we know that this is now moving up into the headline slot of the show yes. compared to the Giants' title reign, Ric Flair, and anything else. I just love the fact that there happened to be a table just there with a great American bash yeah. cloth over it, hiding the fact that it presumably it had been gimmicked because that's the only reason you'd put a tablecloth over a table. Well, I, actually, I put a tablecloth over my table in my house, and it's not because it's gimmicked. So I, I so, would like to contest that assertion. Uh, so I meant in in the wrestling environment. Oh, fair enough. Um, and also, I love there in typical WCW style, Scott Hall has the microphone, and it hasn't been set up to uh to come over the broadcast, just the live live venue, as happens every single. WCW show. Well, if you remember our exclusive interview a few years ago with Dave Penzer, he said that Eric Bischoff was actually a massive fan of that production value. He liked having the the, the, the difference between 
the crowd noise and the and the and the microphone. Dave Penzer's introductions would often be like that, and we yeah we agree we didn't like that, but that was the way it was apparently. Well, we've now got our our three members of the WCW team, Luger, Sting, and Savage, and much like the uh, pay per view itself that will be it's foreshadowing the pay per view because they've all got face paint. Yeah, well, they, they did a similar thing at War Games when they was all on Team Hogan, didn't they? Where they was all mm. in matching. I think they did the, uh, the the old camouflage thing, didn't they? Yes. This classic collection of big baby face trope. Yeah. So Savage has now got he's got that white a white hat with what looks like red lipstick marks on it and, and a yellow shirt. He's gone mix and match for his outfit this week. That's the hat from his famous Carbuncles outfit. I can't remember when he yeah. wore that, but when he did, I called out, I remember it. So it's in our archive somewhere. But to his credit, Mean Gene is rocking the suit. I like that suit. Mean Gene's looking to get woman's attention later. <laughs> so we're, we're being shown uh, Scott Hall confronting Sting and flicking the... Uh, Toothpick in his mouth. Yeah, that was a good little confrontation there between Sting and Hall, wasn't it? Yeah, first like little the way taste. The, the police. Yeah, I like the way the police come up and break him up straight away. I'm just spotted Jim Mean Gene's suit. Yeah, you got you've got an invader showing up at the building, and only when Sting is standing up to him, they show. That's like that. We we all know that guy in the conversation who listen to someone annoy you and annoy you and annoy you. And when you say, look, I've had enough, that third person jumps and says, oh, let's not have a heated situation here. It's like that. Absolutely. And we can look forward to those situations when pubs reopen next month. Oh, yeah. I'm actually going to endeavour to be the person who does that. I'm going to let one person in a conversation just carry all of it. And then when the other person finally reacts and has enough of it, I'm going to tell them off. Um, Scott Steiner, with the greatest mullet ever, has come in, and I'm just going to point something out here. You know how I have I have subtitles on the screen, just so I can yeah we can pick out what they're saying sometimes. The, they're not uh, going to help with Harlem Heat, by the way. Well, the subtitles with <laughs> Scott Steiner literally at one point just had the word indistinct in brackets. Did it really? The, yes. I mean that's right up there with when they called Steve McMichael Mango. It think, literally had an adjective that Scott Steiner used and it couldn't understand what he was saying and just said indistinct. You have got six wrestlers here and of the six of them, really, only Sting can actually give a coherent promo. <laughs> and recently he showed that even he's starting to lose his way because he gave that extremely alarming one at the Great America Bash pay-per-view against this man walking out right now. Lord Stephen oh. Regal and oh, Dave oh, Taylor. It's the Blue Bloods, Regal, Taylor, and now we've got Bobby Eaton as a, a Blue Blood from Alabama. Because he needed something to do. He needed something to do. But I don't understand why they put him in, in here, because it just didn't fit. But maybe that was the whole point. So what's your top I mean, five of geographically located wrestlers? I think Jack Victory would probably be four of mine. Jack Victory from New Zealand, but actually from the US. Oh, Eaton has just pointed out Ric Flair's banquet table. Oh, the Blue Bloods would be a natural of... fit there, wouldn't they? 
Yeah, but it's very kind of him just to uh, to point that out for us right at the beginning of the show. Putting the kid over. He's giving it the superstar rub. <laughs> he is. So this is going to be so, um, Blue Bloods versus Public Enemy going by the hideously dubbed music. Not that their actual Dosto theme was any good. I was gonna, say, I was gonna say I don't even remember what they had in WCW. But, it wasn't uh, great. It wasn't great, no. But um, well, I think this is gonna be called a Styles Clash, and I don't mean the finishing maneuver either. Yeah. I think J- J- Jr's favorite one that he has to use in quite a few AEW matches: bowling shoe ugly. <laughs> like when we had a Jurassic Express and Bear Country recently, and that was well, that was a match that happened. Yeah, well, this this will be interesting because you know they could they could just let Regal and Taylor just run the match, but I mean they can Regal and Taylor can brawl as well, don't you know? We've seen Regal against Finlay and and you know Taylor I've seen all over the UK before. They can brawl if they need to go brawling. Regal's <laughs> taking the piss out of the dancing. I just there. saw that. That was brilliant, and the cameraman missed it mostly. Mostly, yeah. Fucking WCW. So, um, the public enemy had a screening screen pre-tape promo during all that. And it was yeah. hard to hear what they were saying because A, they're as incoherent as the other tag teams. And B, the dub music obviously interferes with the natural <laughs> yes. nature of the oh yeah. But they were basically saying, and you can see that they've actually brought out dog collar change room to this match. But they, that inset promo was formally challenging about as formally as these guys get the nasty boys to a dog collar match because we've seen the the nitro brawls between those two already we've already covered the dog collar match of course on the bash at the Mm -hmm. beach episode uh so that's where we're headed then and um yeah i mean mean, that dog collar match actually seemed to take away rather than add to the match as they often do really don't they oh man Uh, 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 we have actually been marginally positive. <laughs> There's Regal doing the dance again. But we have been positive. I'm pretty sure we were positive of at least one Public Enemy Nasties match on Nitro. One, maybe two of their matches were fun television brawls. And we, yeah, I think we, we said rem- the first one was was, yeah. was a good, enjoyable match. It's, and, and the second as well. I think it was... We, 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 we kind of concluded that... As the feud went on, the matches got worse. Diminishing returns, exactly. But I yeah. maintain the absolute highlight of the feud was uh, Johnny Grunge dressing up as Brian Nobbs, sneaking into the ring and getting oh, pinned yes. on his behalf. That was fantastic. Yes, I forgot that. That was great. Why haven't other companies done that since? It's brilliant. There's Obviously, there's going to be opportunities where there's enough of a lookalike to do it. In fact, to be honest, they don't even have to be identical to their enemy. It's one of them situations where low effort would make it more funny. And it did in that and case. Al- yeah. And also, you want lo- low low effort to make it obvious to the crowd what's happening. But, yeah. You know, as long as you've like got your back to the referee and they can't see your face, you can get away with it. You want it to be a clandestine scheme, really, don't you? Um, low effort memes are hilarious because they are deliberately naff. So I'd be all over that. I'd be I'd be laughing my ass off if someone did that on WWE, AEW, or, or anywhere, quite frankly. So Taylor is in against Rocco Rock now, hitting a couple of uh, big forearm uppercuts. 
it's the public luchas. Yeah, We've seen the all, drop it's, kick. It's all gone a bit wrong there. Taylor tried to go for a roll-up and there was a miscommunication. They just fell into the ropes in a heap. It started off well enough. I mean, if the public enemy were wrestling like a, a more aerial tag team and people worried about Styles Clash, Rocco Rock, with a second drop kick of the match now, and that run into the corner and back flipping over Dave Taylor would have gone really well. But as it turns out, the public enemy's natural style is not a good fit for Regal and Taylor, and nor is Rocco Rock trying to be a luchador either. <laughs> Just need some Greco-Roman wrestling from John yes. and Rocco now. Right, we've now got Regal back in the ring with Rocco Rock. And if they're sensible, they will get Regal to, to take over and, and wrestle Regal style, basically. Yeah, you'll notice the crowd level's gone up now Regal's entered. I think for me that's a combination of the fact that Regal is brilliant at work in the crowd even before he's launched a single hold. And also yep. it's it's a direct result of the fact that he has been profiled more in recent weeks with the Finley feud and the Sting program. So he is more in just like we saw when Eddie Guerrero was on Nitro every week, he was yeah. getting bigger reactions. Indeed. So I just have to say, Rocco Rock went for a uh, a quadrada, a you know, springboard moonsault in the ring, which Regal sidestepped. So he missed by a mile. And while while Rocco Rock's selling, missing the move on the floor, Regal's doing another little dance. Yeah, this is uh, this is glorious stuff from Regal. It's, it's it's funny how a lot of people fondly remember 1996 WCW. But if you gave a top five reasons why 96 WCW was good, some of the things we're seeing here, such as Ric Flair being absolutely supremely douchey, the banquet table, uh, Lord Stephen Regal's excellent run, they're not even considered. They're kind of like pointless answers, so to speak. Yeah. But they're there. um, I did did mention a few weeks ago on our weekly Hooked on Wrestling quiz on Sunday night about the Regal Kidman match and how we thought that was probably the, the best one minute match we've ever seen. And, um, that they, they seem to, uh, to grab their attention. I think it might be something yeah, we, we could potentially do alongside our friends at hooked on wrestling to, to open it up to the world and see if there is any other one minute matches that people would think are, are to that high standard. Yeah, we've tweeted about it. There's not a ton of other suggestions. Obviously, you'd really have to have something stick out in your mind. Uh, obviously, like maybe, I, I don't know if one of Sid's better squashes early in his career was under the 60 second mark. That would probably be a good choice. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you, you've got to really have one at the forefront of your mind. I, I think that's why not many people get involved. I'm sure I'm sure the guys on the Hooked on Quiz were probably racking their minds thinking, can I remember a really good yeah. minute match? I mean, even things like Ultimate Warrior and Triple H was, was about three minutes, wasn't it? Uh, no, I don't think it was that long. It was more than a minute, though. Yeah, maybe. But um, I'm going to have to look it up afterwards. But Eaton has got involved. Uh, yeah, that's turned the tide for the Blue Bloods. This match is kind of falling apart a bit. It has to be said. And I know it's been said a million times, but it's matches like this that make you realise how good Paul Heyman was. Oh, and sorry, just just to interrupt myself. Um, Johnny Grunge hit uh, hit Taylor around the head with a 
the plaster cast that's around his uh, his right wrist and won the match. But yeah, that kind of match just shows you the how good Paul Heyman was at accentuating the strengths and hiding the weaknesses of his talent in ECW because that was just a regular tag match and it against some very very competent opponents, but it kind of fell apart a bit. Yeah, you're right. And um, from a strict um, work rate snowflake style perspective, it wasn't very good. But I have to admit, because it wasn't that long, I was entertained by Rocco Rock's ill-advised lucha attempts and Regal's dancing. Regal's dancing was a highlight for me, I have to say. So I suppose what I'm trying to tell you, Dean, is I've seen worse bad matches. Oh, God, yeah, we've seen... We've seen some shockers, let's face it. So uh, here's Harlem Heat with a pre-tape promo. And um, as we said yeah, earlier on that that we we had Sting and Luger and the Steins and Harlem Heat all having a bit of a confrontation backstage with Mean Gene. Yeah, Booker T said, Yeah, Booker T just said we want the gold and then thankfully stopped there. Thankfully. Yeah, I, I hope our listeners got that reference because it's one of my favourite WCW moments of all time. It's the way it's the way he just looks like immediately afterwards, like, oh god, what have I just said? And Sherry is having a well, so she's grinning ear from ear, and Mean Gene being ultra professional and just shrugging it off. The whole thing is just hilarious. Yeah. Here okay, comes. Okay, so we've got yeah. Kevin Sullivan and some bloke called. Kip Ab, who I'm presuming is just a enhancement talent. He looks like Terry Taylor, a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, um, uh, Sullivan is still seething from what the Horseman did, and I think Shivani just mentioned about the tag match made for Bash at the Beach. Apparently, apparently, a Horseman gets a world title shot if they beat Sullivan and the Giant in a tag match at the pay-per-view. Aha. Uh-huh. This is so, going backstage. Yeah, now this was... Was this before or after the Benoit match? This, this was Yeah, after, eight days after. It, eight days after. Yeah. So, Sullivan is now basically beating the shit out of a jobber and trying to take him into the ladies' toilets. Doug, Doug Dillinger's trying to stop him. Yeah. Um, so, we, this was meant to be a match, but uh, on one thing I'll give Sullivan credit for, I loved his, his entrance. He he walked down to the ring with the, with the raging ump, and unlike a lot of modern wrestlers, it weren't because he knew he was doing the job, it's because he's actually <laughs> in character as yes. being fed up and seething. And he just went, uh, uh, the way he made a beeline for this jobber and just started beating him up, not in a wrestling match manner. It's, it, it, it was very attention grabbing. I liked it. Yeah. And now we've got a really good close up of Kevin Sullivan's bald spot. Shiavoni's uh, mentioning a count out of disqualification. I think this one's just a complete and utter non star. I I would agree, but I don't know what the decision is. The, the referee's like frog marching Sullivan back. The jobber is still laid out in a puddle in the in the concession area. <laughs> yeah. He may not wrestle again. He took a bit of a pasting. Oh, Sullivan's been disqualified, apparently. 
Somehow so, I hey, don't Kip think he cares. Avey is one for zero on Nitro. <laughs> the streak begins. Mean Gene just said that basically he thinks Kevin Sullivan's got a bit of an obsession with toilets and then kind <laughs> of smirked into the camera. I'm wondering if there's some inside joke there. Yeah, no one ever really picked up on that. Well, I don't remember any. I've seen some amazing urban legends in wrestling. Most, most of them completely made up, obviously. Oh, yes. Uh, but I don't remember that one ever being referenced. Oh, here we go. He's shouty, he's angry. He's not happy, is he, Dean? He, he's not, but most importantly, he's not dressed as an old lady. Well, that's a bad thing. I mean, Grumpy ah. Sullivan has got some legs to it, but I definitely prefer Baywatch Extra or Old Lady Sullivan. Yeah, but imagine Grumpy Old Lady Sullivan. Oh, on the set of the Baywatch. The post office hasn't opened. <laughs> the post office hasn't opened on time for her to collect her pension. The the local stores out of her favourite biscuits. Oh, she's raging. Yeah, there's one uh, symptom to cut in an anti-horseman promo in Charlotte. <laughs> the chance have started again. Yeah. He's addressing them, at least. Yeah, he said we're here in Horseman's hometown. He's he's, ta- he's taunting um, the fans because Ric Flair apparently is not going to be in the tag match. <laughs> Jimmy Hart's going to choke himself to death if he hears Flair with his Space Mountain promos again. Well, at least it looks like the on-off, 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 on-off. Let me just check my notes. Yep. On-off, 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 on-off relationship between the Horseman and the Dungeon of Doom is well and truly off. Although you never know. It's off. Yeah. For now, it's off again. I mean, it might be back on again, but it's off right now. Do you know what is completely on right now? Glacier. Blood runs cold. Coming in about eight years to WCW. <laughs> July 96, now we're told. Which is technically next week's Nitro. Hashtag just saying. Oh, yeah. It would be, wouldn't it? First of July, yeah. yeah. Sounds like the, a, a rip-off of the Rocky theme. Oh, yeah. And it is indeed someone dressed like a boxer. Hard it's work. hard work Bobby <laughs> Walker. He's been on Nitro probably... recently, isn't he? I was, I was just about to say, it's probably never been seen on Nitro before, but actually, I think you might be right. Well, it might be some other, like, jobber in the guise of a lower mid-carder, because those have had a lot of those. Nice entrance. Yeah. But he's going to get stretched, Dean. He is. Because here comes because... Dean Malenko. Who will look pissed off as he always does I don't think he's going to somersault over the ropes strangely enough what do you reckon no well, I think you're spot on there so uh, he comes out twiddling his wrists as he always used to do I don't know why he did that if it meant anything if it was a sign or what but uh, or just a nervous twitch but he's always fiddles with his wrist tape on the way to the ring and he's got the cruiserweight championship around his waist of course still does indeed i remember um there was a documentary with big show while he obviously he's uh world champion in this watch long era but when he was the big show in wwe 
he mm. said he did three grabs of the wrist, and apparently it was mm. a it was a indication. I love you. Do yeah. you remember that? Oh wow. Yeah, and Rikishi would um would scratch his nose for um one for each of his kids. Ah. AKA the people he does remember in his Hall of Fame speech. Because <laughs> he wasn't touching his nose for too cool. No. So, chain wrestling from hard work to start. I wonder how that's going to yeah. fare for him. Why is Larry Zabisco wanting security in here? Is he worried about the uh, outsiders or something? Yeah, Zabisco's really trying to butter both sides of the bread with the still trying to do a little bit of heel commentary in, in most matches, but also being staunchly against Enderville. And he's uh, really, really trying too hard on both counts, and it's coming across negatively. Larry Zabisco trying too hard. Yeah. I can't believe I'm saying this, but the commentary was in better hands with Bischoff, Mongo and Heenan, even though Mongo would babble on about God knows what, and Bischoff would basically be mentioning WWE every five seconds. Nah, come on. It was never better with Mango. (laughs) Forget all that shit. Here comes Mango. Here comes Mango. And that poor dog. That poor, poor dog. I wonder what outfit it was buried in. Oh, I don't know, but I like I like to think that in the actual '96 time, at this point, he's been rehomed mercifully. We don't yes. know that, but you'd you'd hope so. I wouldn't be surprised if he turned up on Raw one night. Such was the uh, rivalry between the two promotions at this point in time. What's Popo doing in the Impact Zone? <laughs> So, uh, Malenko looks to be in control of this match, but Bobby Walker is uh, doing his best to get out of, of stuff. He's doing, you know, he's mm. he's doing, he's playing his part well. They're, they're working a cool-down match, and I don't know why, because you really need a cool-down from uh, a Kevin Southern non-match and a promo. Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah, Malenko is in, in complete control of this. Take his school. Yeah, it's not a not a squash, but almost as. Hmm. I suppose it is a squash, but when you wrestle the style of Malenko, it never feels like a squash. It just feels like a a yeah. match. Do you know Cra- what I mean? Cra- yeah, crowd don't know quite how to react, which is why yeah. something like this you'd normally only do if you want to give them a breather. And also put over on TV that Dean Malenko will stretch motherfuckers. Is that how they described it on TV? That's right. He should have a t-shirt that says that by rights. <laughs> oh, pole driver. Oh, power. It looked like he weren't going to get his head over for that powerbomb. Yeah. Couldn't oh, get any cooperation go. on the cloverleaf. He had to basically dead, dead, dead arm his legs into place. He's let go oh, of it. And because Disco Inferno is coming down to the ring with a gold disc. Oh, great. We're building to this match. I remember now. Oh, God, I remember now. Yes, where we queried why in, why in the world he would be given a title shot. It was it was a Styles clash up there with Blue Bloods versus Public Enemy that apparently only Rob McNichol actually liked. <laughs> 
to each their own, I guess. But here comes and a now, comeback. Yeah, Bobby Walker with a fantastic looking drop kick as well. No, I don't know. It wasn't as good as Rocco Rocks. Well. Oh, now Disco Inferno is asking for his music to be hit. I mean, you've all, you've got the obvious. He's getting in the ring. So Disco Inferno's got in the ring. He's on the second rope in his suit and he's dancing to his music, which has distracted Bobby Walker. And now Dean Malenko is just beating the ever-loving piss out of him. So obviously there there was a degree of entertainment to his clear lack of self-awareness. Which yes. was always part well, of the thing, but there are there are other guys who you could do this with and lead to a match. Northern Lights suplex, and Milenko gets the win. But um, and um, can I also just point out that I've just been uh, passed a cup of tea, and it is has been served to me in a WCW mug. You have a WCW. Why have you never mentioned that before? I thought I had. I did. I I uh, had it on camera for the Hooked on Wrestling. WCW Nitro anniversary uh, quiz, but um, yeah, I, I it's um well it's it's from the late nineties, and I had it in my parents' house for a long time. My mum my mum found it again and passed it on to me. Fair enough. But uh, oh, they're both in the ring now, and Disco's not happy. Are we oh. we all know what's going to happen to that gold disc, don't we? He looked like he was going to, but Dean caught him. So now, now we're getting the obvious uh, styles clash of their personalities, which I get as far as yep. a, yeah, as bad as I said though, you can probably find someone better to play the straight man in this feud than Malenko, who you have positioned as cruiserweight champion, having matches like that against Rey Mysterio. Mm. So, <laughs> watch your story, pal. Yeah, that is brilliant. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> this is just like every every cliche and hackneyed yes. catchphrase from Disco. He sold a million Did CDs. Apparently, a million CDs of a song that no one knows exists. Oh, here comes Malenko. Yep. Oh, there's the challenge. So that's how we got to that bloody match. So you get a title shot by interrupting someone's match and dancing to your entrance music in the ring. You'll have to remember that, Dean. The next time you're managing, just start dancing. Yeah. So, uh, apparently... No, so I was just going to say, apparently the horsemen of the 90s are more... Dangerous than the horseman of the 80s, says Arn Anderson. And um, it looks like we've got Benoit and Anderson against the Rock and Roll Express. Didn't we have that already? The Rock and Roll Express have definitely gone to the Nitro a couple Uh, of weeks ago. See, they fought Flair and Anderson, and they did mention mentioned last week that it would be Anderson and Benoit against the Rock and Rolls. I think we we realised that, didn't we? That they're doing like a slight twist on it, which is cool because the first showdown was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, very much so. 
We've got uh, a plug for uh, W7V Saturday night, and John Tent has got a big bandage over his eye. So something bad can happen to him because he's pretty much dominated this feud so far, and we haven't even got to the proper blow-off, which I admittedly enjoyed a little bit. (laughs) I'm slating (laughs) others for enjoying... um, Disco versus Dean. And I enjoyed the silver dollar, Carson City silver dollar match. Oh, man. Glad you did. Here comes the Barbarian. He probably won't win, but, oh, he's a baby face. He's slapping hands with people. But um, he's the kind of guy, whoever he's up against, he can adapt his style to work well with him. So... Yeah, he's one of those guys who's never really been out of work, has he? When, during no, this period of time. we've made sure, uh, And speaking of a guy who used to be all, all over Nitro and then disappeared for a bit, here ah. comes one of the most underappreciated WCW theme tunes, generic babyface Eddie Guerrero theme. Now, he was he was out and away from, from WCW because he was in New Japan for the Top of the Super Junior Tour. Ah, that makes a bit more sense. He really yes. was a mainstay late 95 to early 96, wasn't he? Indeed, he was. Oh, there you go. Shivani's just said Eddie was in, has been in Japan, albeit as Black Tiger. It's a massive far cry from the Eddie Guerrero that would be on Nitro 97. But the absolute mm. transformation of him when he goes from babyface to heel and back again. Not many can do it quite like Eddie could. No, definitely not. Now, this is this is going to be a, a clash of styles, but I've got far more confidence in Eddie Guerrero and the Barbarian to gel than than the, the Blue Bloods and the Public Enemy. Oh, man, they might as well subtitle the bloody episode Clash of Styles. <laughs> That's what it's been so far. Well, you would you would think Eddie's going to be great at selling for Barbarian, and Barbarian's going to be great as a base for the for the um, aerial moves. Yeah, Zabisco just reeled off his little gorilla, well shaved poem that he used to use on every fucking show. <laughs> I can't remember the the every word for word, but I, I heard the end of it, and he brought back Vietnam flashbacks. <laughs> Okay, so now Guerrero is backed into the corner and in trouble. <laughs> Basically, he's just got a back fist to the face. So, oh, Gorilla Press. Oh, nice. Oh, what? Nicely done. Yeah, Gorilla. Barbarian went for Gorilla Press, and Eddie Guerrero counters it into a sunset flip, basically. Very nicely done. See, yeah. What we're seeing right now, Dean, are the the little subtleties that people don't appreciate about wrestlers like Barbarian. That when you get a Styles Clash like this with a lot of cumbersome big men and it comes off as much ugliness, but he always knew exactly where to be. He would really facially sell the, you know, when he's phased but not hurt by an Eddie Guerrero dropkick. He, he just had those little nuances about him and he knew exactly where to be for these sort of things. Whereas you have seen so many big versus little wrestling matches where they really don't know how best to portray it. Yeah. And another guy who is great at that is um, the much-missed Luke Harper. Um, 
well, I can't remember his name in AEW now. Um, you know, John Huber, <laughs> Bro- who passed Bro- away. Brody Lee. Brody Lee, thank you. Yeah, he was fantastic at that yes. as well. Huge powerbomb from Barbarian. But, and what, again, what I like about that is he made a very nonchalant cover with one hand on Guerrero's chest, which therefore meant Guerrero could kick out. So, Guerrero has has got out of that without making Barbarian look too, or that move from the Barbarian looking too bad. I've never seen Barbarian use a pump handle before, and that's a hell of a pump wow. handle. I really like Barbarian more and more for it. There's that nonchalant cover again. Yeah. He could have used that pump handle as a finisher. He ripped him up and slammed him hard. And uh, Zabisco on commentary has just picked up about that, that you know, Barbarian could have beaten him if he'd have done a proper cover. But because he's doing those arrogant covers and because Eddie looks in serious trouble, the Eddie chants are starting organically. It's lovely Ooh. to watch this build up. Just, just with simple, common sense, high IQ like uh, stuff here. That was ugly. Not, not the smoothest, yeah, not the smoothest hurricane rider. But all these, all these spots that they've put in, you can tell a lot of thought's gone into it to make it f- feel logical. Mm. And wow, a belly-to-back suplex from Guerrero, and as Zabisco said, didn't get him all the way up, but got him up far enough to keep him down. Guerrero's now going to the top. I think he was going for the frog splash, but Barbarian's got up before he can before he can come down on him and Guerrero's crotched himself on the top rope and now he's in trouble. Yeah, he's uh, taunting to the crowd, is this? Not, not a bad short match so far, other than that one tumble. Yeah. Oh, what's he going to do? He's up on the top. They're both on the top rope. Oh. Oh. Wow. <laughs> he just... Belly to belly suplex, superplexed Guerrero, and he bounced about three quarters of the way across the ring, rolled once and went out the ring. That is how far he travelled. I feel like Barbarian. I I can't remember who to, but I feel like Barbarian did that to someone else on the Nitro, but that was still incredible to watch. They lost their way momentarily a little bit earlier. Other than that, this has been a shockingly great match. This is up there with the Sting Malenko kind of match. Yeah. Although the, the result the result isn't as obvious because I could easily see either one of these two winning and it making sense. But mm. just as far as putting two guys together in the ring who you wouldn't naturally put together and having a great match, and Bar- Barbarian's now going for a top rope superplex. Oh, Guerrero is, yeah, and that's really good. Guerrero just kind of hooked his leg on the way down, landed on in a lateral press on top for the three count, and literally on like three and a quarter seconds, Barbarian kicks out. Oh, that was fun! I loved that. Yeah, that was that, fantastic. It's it's almost a shame that they had that one clear because he's tried to do like a lucha counter into like a monkey. F- it's like a yeah. hybrid of a monkey flipping the head scissors, wasn't it? And it didn't yeah. come off. And not that's 
that's one thing. But they clearly like kind of stood there for a moment and he did a stomp. You could tell something went wrong, which really took away. Otherwise, that was brilliant. Oh, and Mean Gene is in now. Let's see if Mean Gene has to kind of guide him through a promo like he's done before or, or if Eddie's getting better. Well, we had to do that backstage, let alone here in front of a live crowd. So, there's a man behind them wearing his T-shirt on his head. Oh, yes. Who looks a little bit like Pinky Sanchez, but it's not Pinky Sanchez. And uh, and there's also there's also a man uh, with a Hulk Hogan bandana on in the front row who's clearly been planted there. <laughs> so they're showing clips of Uncensored where he was wrestling Conan and he's taken a sh- an accidental shot to the nuts. An um, accidental shot to the nuts. <laughs> Which, uh, for our American friends, means he caught him in the ding-ding. Doesn't want any excuses, but he wants another shot. Hmm. Yep, he wants he wants another shot at the US title. And hey, with a big win over the Barbarian, he's got a good shout. And he's Mean uh, Gene's referencing the Super Juniors. Oh, to to get uh... Mean Jeans. Sorry, you go for it. Oh, but by the way, what do you think of these outsiders? Let's <laughs> segwayed on that. <laughs> mean Jeans got to cut him off. Don't ask him a question and then tell him, and then give him five yeah. seconds to answer and tell him, no, you shut up, Eddie. As great as Eddie uh, was in the ring, time cues on promos were clearly not his thing at this juncture. No. Okay, we're going on to the second hour of Monday Nitro, it would appear. So, I've got to admit, the first quote-unquote hour, because obviously we're going ad-free here, I have to admit, it, yeah. it went really fast. And as we've said on previous episodes, mostly in the one-hour phase, you don't need a ton of great matches to have a, a, a swift, enjoyable hour of TV. You just need to be entertained. Yeah, that was about 40 minutes and this whole episode without ad breaks is 1 hour 31. So we're not quite at the halfway point. Must be more ad breaks in hour 1 and hour 2. But here come Arn Anson and Chris Benoit to a huge response, obviously because we're in Charlotte. And they've got Steve Mongo McMichael with them in the background with his Horseman t-shirt on. He's uh, obviously he's not had to do too much yet. He's pointing to the banquet table, putting it over. Pointing to the banquet table, and yeah. he's just flashing the four fingers a lot. So, so, so far, so good. They uh, a couple oh, of and killer... Kevin Green is here. We are told. Oh, interesting. I don't... Did he even really do anything until? Because I know he came back in '97. I don't remember. I don't know. Well, they've just, Shivani's just said Kevin Green is in the building, so we'll see what happens. Here come the rock and roll. And the rock and no music. Getting, yeah, a bit odd, but they're also getting booed out of the building because <laughs> they're against the horsemen. How are you supposed to rock and roll to silence? Maybe it's a silent disco. 
it's 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 a little bit telling that the rock and rolls look ancient even in 1996. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we've got the little dynamite logo with the countdown timer. We are just over 10 seconds away from the start of the second hour. Indeed. That was always a big thing they did in the 90s, wasn't it? Because I remember Raw was the same when they had Raw is War in the War yeah. Zone. Yeah, here we go. The second hour, so we've got lots of fireworks. Don't understand it. There must have been a distinct reason. I don't know. Maybe this is the point at the top of the hour where people are flicking channels and they see they see fireworks rather than wrestling. I don't know. They must have been expecting like a big lead-in from somewhere else, yeah. Interesting. I hope someone listening could explain it to us because it's not really... Even though I'm willing to look up like title histories and other obscure stuff during the thing. I really can't be bothered looking that particular thing up right now. <laughs> so Bob, Bobby Heenan will be joining him for the second hour. He just goes, when do I get to talk in a minute? The uh, WWE Network is warning us that the, the current part of the show is going to come in the most complete form possible despite WCW's production being shit. They didn't write that exactly, but that's what they meant. Yeah. So, basically what they mean is this hasn't been edited to shit for Peacock. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you've just reminded me that Peacock is a thing with WWE Network now. We're alright, though, here in the UK. Yeah, we've still just got the WWF Network. WWF Network? What the... Pandas, old school. isn't it? Or pandas. Wouldn't Maybe it's like this uh, clandestine, uh, clandestine group of pandas influencing the world. I'll tell, I'll tell you something. I would watch. I tell you something. I have watched, which is which is a great program, Animal Fight Club, which isn't what, what it sounds. It isn't. It isn't like you know, people bringing a bear and a cockerel into an underground pit. Losing it is, interest. It is about. It is. Um. It's just basically animals in the wild fighting each other. So like uh, a lion hunting down a group of wildebeest and then the wildebeest outnumber the lion and the lion's surrounded going, oh shit, this seemed like a good idea at the time. That kind of thing. To a death metal soundtrack, I hope? Uh, no, but I think... Because that would make a great addition. YouTube series. Oh yeah. So here we go. It is Ricky Morton and Chris Benoit in the ring. I get the feeling this will be a better tag match than the um, than the previous tag match. We've got a close-up of the banquet table. We've got sunflowers and the candelabra. Yeah, it's, it's, you can't say it's not developing as a personality week after week. No wonder it's our new Twitter hometown. Oh, well, I, I, I dare say it was our spiritual home all along. We just didn't realise it yet. I think you're absolutely spot on there. Cause speaking of styles, the theme continues because Benoit, who's usually you know very fluid and dependable, you know as long as the topic is like not murdering your family, uh, is struggling here to to have some chemistry. I can't believe you just said that. Jesus Christ. 
Well, I yeah. did. I'm pretty sure it's not the first time we've mentioned that he's a fucking murderer. Well, yes, we know that. Some some days I think we're just angry about it than others. It's yeah, like um someone on uh, someone on the um, hooked on wrestling quiz the other week asked. Why were they booing Hulk Hogan? To which uh, Paul Benson, our spiritual uh, leader of folks on wrestling, just went, "Cause he's a racist." Yeah, well, there's nothing alleged about it. It was, it was absolute stonewall. And the, oh, and I also add that the reason why he's getting a lot of boos compared to other people who have done very stupid things in the past is because the whole nature of trying to get him back on TV is trying to sweep under the carpet to the stage where you heard the reports about uh, he, he addressed the locker room at one point and he was, he was preaching to them more on how they should not get caught as opposed to how they should, you know, not be awful human beings. Yeah. Oh, on his, uh, Oh, Arn has suckered Ricky Morton into a trap by Benoit and McMichael, and the crowd are loving it. Classic heel work, and it's getting the biggest babyface pop of the night. There's always such an old-school vibe to their cheating compared to any other cheating you see on the show at this point in time. Oh, yeah, this is this is the kind of cheating that myself and Justin Richards loved doing in the FWA. And even though Mongo, you know, doesn't contribute much in a lot of ways, was it just me who actually really enjoyed the way he kind of intimated that he was going to be part of the cheating? Holding that briefcase ready to strike, but instead just watched Benoit do it legally, you know, about as legal Ooh. as you can get, bending the rules, and then just gloated. I kind of like that as well. Oh, yeah, that was great. That smug... Smug at the success, yet you've done nothing yourself. Yeah, I mean a lot of people and would always face... go on. Sorry, no, no, you go. I was just going to say a lot of people would agree that he was always uh, a, a good horseman personality, but just an absolute dredge in the ring. Yeah, and and the thing with what he just did there, you want in wrestling, you always want people to be able to identify with people they know in real life. So, like, you know, the when when you had the, the the days of the the heel commissioner, which they beat to death in the WWF, but the the heel commissioner was, you know, people would imagine that was their their boss that was pissing them off. And you know, we have, I'm sure we all know we've all had to work with someone who cheers the loudest for what they've done or their team oh. have done, but they've actually done nothing to it themselves. Yeah, and. Having and, said uh, that, McMichael has just twatted Robert Gibson over the head with the briefcase to, for Benoit to get the cover and the win. And while that's going on, Arn just delivered a DDT to Ricky Morton. It is carnage in the ring. Joe Gomez is in the ring. And uh, McMichael goes four for four Mike. with the briefcase. Yeah, because he got, he got Kevin Green at the pay-per-view, Macho Man last week, and now he's taken two down. I think he's going to add a little extra shot here. Now, wasn't um, Joe Gomez and Renegade were meant to have a tag match and then got beaten up by the Horsemen, didn't they, a few weeks ago? So that's why yeah. he's got a gripe against them. And we would have Mongo versus Gomez at Bash of the Beach, and I remember they yeah. they mentioned something about a a some sort of friendship between 
Gomez and Mongo then, didn't they? Oh, there's Here Kevin comes Green. Randy Savage and Kevin Green, and McMichael has bolted. So, uh, yeah, Kevin Green did make I didn't even realise he kept making a few appearances or assuming there's any more after this. I'm presuming it's still off-season in American football. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Super Bowl runs early February and the season starts September. And uh, we interrupt this broadcast to mention that Mean Gene is backstage and with Ric Flair, Deborah, Elizabeth and... Right next to Mean Jean, already with her hands on his shoulders, woman. Yep, she digs the suit. I told you she would. Yep. And uh, Flair's very happy that the four horsemen are reunited. I think he means that they're just back at full strength, because... Yeah. (laughs) They weren't together before, in that form. (laughs) Flair's gloating about the number that McMichael's done on all those guys. Flair's hyped up to be in his hometown, you can tell. (laughs) I don't know. Is he any more hyped up than usual? Now, when he said in Charlotte, the the, um, subtitles also said indistinct, but it was definitely in Charlotte. But it was said in such a way that it wasn't easy to understand. Yeah, um, I, I, I kind of like this whole horseman rolling as a group with all the other guys. You, you think some of the complaints at the minute about too many factions on AEW TV, but you realise that you get to get a good product going, sometimes you have this whole thing where everyone's rolling groups. It's, it's quite realistic, isn't it? And obviously Japan does it a lot. Yeah, I mean, Dragon Gate, the promotion, is based all around stables. and. Mm. Um, Maybe that's something that they're they're looking at doing. I don't know. It makes sense. I think one thing they could probably do is, as you always say about promoting things heavily, if you want to establish them, is they could maybe have the commentators reference it a little bit more. But otherwise, yeah. DDP's up next. Against Alex Wright, apparently. That should be quite fun. Well, and we just had a, a clip of Mongo smacking Kevin Green with the uh, with the briefcase. There is definitely, as we've mentioned before, there's definitely more recaps and promos and things just to fill that second hour up. Yeah, it definitely doesn't feel like there's two hours worth of content a week from them. But this, no. compared to the well, we've done a month's worth of these so far, and I've got to say, this one has been the most fluid. Not necessarily like yeah. the best. It's not like there's been a ton of great matches. They've all been bloody stoles clashes, as we've said. But it, yeah. is, it has been more digestible. It's, it's rolled a bit better. But we've still got, you know, another, what, 40 minutes to get through. So, Well, Shivani's just saying to uh, Heenan, who's now in commentary with him, that he's never seen WCW wrestlers united like they are now against the threat of these outsiders. Although having said that, obviously we've just seen about the Dungeon Doom and the Horseman being being off again. Yeah, and the Horsemen are obviously running around pelting everyone with briefcases and stuff. Yeah. But they've never been more together, man. Ever. So, so uh, more Heenan, mention of the... Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, Heenan, Heenan's saying that the, the, they have the advantage because... WCW have declared their three 
and the outsiders are Hall and Nash, who they haven't named yet, and someone else that we don't know yet. Ah, it won't be. It'll probably be like Mabel or someone. Yeah. <laughs> I hope someone uh, got that reference. I did. <laughs> Imagine how different things would be if it happened. Alex Wright has come down. He's also getting booed by everyone. This is a shame because I like Alex Wright. And it's not like he's going up against a horseman here, is it? No. Now, but, if he'd uh, have brushed against the banquet table and knocked the sunflowers over, fair enough, boo him out of the building. But he hasn't yeah. yet. So we've just had Alex Wright's Euro disco techno music. And now we've got DDP's Nirvana ripoff music. And, uh, yeah, as I always say, to be fair, this is probably the WWE Network dub that I mind the least. I don't mind the DDP version, because at least it sounds like a DDP... You know, they could have easily used this in 2001 when they signed him, and people have gone, all right, that's a DDP's tune. And it well, doesn't... I thought this was... So this isn't his original music. This, is, this isn't the Smells Like Teen Spirit ripoff, but it's a testament that you got the two confused. This is... I was trying to remember what it was he had, yeah. It's at the very least, it's it's DDP theme adjacent, and that's why it works. Yeah, yeah. Don't actually mind it. So, uh, this shouldn't be as big a Styles Clash as other matches. It's not exactly no. two peas in a pod. But I believe they've wrestled several times over the last 24 months on, like, Saturday night, things like that. So, yeah. And obviously, Paige is on a roll. Yes, indeed, he is. And we are seeing him very slowly make his way up the ladder, aren't we? Yes. They're still mentioning that Lord of the Ring as well. Oh, yeah, the um, Battle Bowl thing, wasn't it? That's one that we've still got to review, that pay-per-view. Sorry, what was that? <laughs> We, I said we were, we're yet to review that pay-per-view, the uh, Battle Bowl that DDP wins. Slamboree. Yeah, well, no, we haven't, have we? It's a little sidetrack there. Very sorry. How unprofessional of me. <laughs> you, may, you may dock it out of my wages. Will do. See, much like with the Barbarian earlier, one of the reasons why this particular interesting matchup doesn't stand out some of the others is... He he milks everything Alex Wright does. He really meshes into what his opponent is trying to get across. Yeah. And we saw Barbarian doing that greatly with uh, with Eddie Guerrero. And it covers for the for for otherwise awkwardness. Yeah. Oh, there's that DDP gut buster. No one did that like him really, did they? Not mainstream nah. anyway. And yeah, you talk about the uh, that pump handle slam, but I think in WCW, no one did the pump handle slam like Brian Clark, like Raph, as he was known with that. I uh, was at the meltdown. Yeah, he made that move his own. 
other than the Barbarian earlier on this show. Although yeah. that wasn't a pump handle power slam if we're going to split heads. That's true. <laughs> DDP selling the inverted atomic drop. See, if we've got a Rick Rude sells atomic drops, for you, I mean, <laughs> D- DDP could have his own uh, spin-off account. Well, it was the way also he uh, he sold that prattful where he missed the missed the kick and just fell on his ass. Yeah, little things like that really don't do just even if you're not on the verge of having a just a massively incredible match, things like that will just entertain. It's really helped with his show, guys like him and Barbarian. Mm. And this is going to follow... Are we going to get a, a DDP template on this show in the coming weeks akin to the Randy Savage template where he's he's giving his opponent a lot, albeit in the heel way rather than Savage selling like a baby face? Yeah. Uh, Springball dropkick, nice. Well, he, he hit the ropes. He hit the top between the top and the middle ropes hard and kind of bounced through the ropes and fell to, to ringside. He he kind of botched the exit for that, but because the, the drop he made kick, it look good. Yeah, the the drop kick was on the money, so it looked naturalistic that he would get just catapulted into the ropes like that by by the yeah. force of Alex Wright's drop kick. Yeah, absolutely. It's gone to the world though once too often. Yeah. And we're gonna get that template, I think, where suddenly after after selling most of the match, we may soon be getting a pancake and or a cutter. I like the pancake. Another gut buster instead, actually. Speaking of going well, to the well. Yeah. Oh, here we, oh go. there we go. He hits the uh, diamond cutter. And look, that's getting a big pop now. A bigger pop. It's getting a reaction. They're building it. It works. Trust the process. Mm. Even even a very subtle thing like not needing to hook the leg, he just made a regular cover, but it was enough to get the win because his as, own as say, confidence, confidence in it. Yeah, his own confidence is building, and we're watching it. Gets you invested in the character, doesn't it? Yeah. It's just it's just refreshing. Go on, sorry. I was, I was going to say, this is the thing that I know I'm going to sound like an old fart now by going, this is what modern wrestlers don't understand. But when you see these WWE matches, especially at the big pay-per-views where like, you know, they kick out of four finishers, mm. this is that simple thing of you hit your finisher and it beats someone. And, you know, it's the same as the Jake the Snake DDT or, or the Tombstone or whatever. You know, you get hit with that. It's the end of the match. I agree. It's a fair point to make. I mean, part of the grouchiness when people make it is because they make like such sweeping blanket statements like, oh, these matches these days, everyone's doing flips. Well, no, actually, they're not all doing flips. They're not even doing flips throughout the entirety of their match. But yes, if you take the blanket statement away, there's a point that there could be more nuance. Um, and I was just going to say to that effect, it's a, uh, it's, it's just nice to see someone react to a pinfall cover in any way other than shocked face, which has become a bit of a uh, overplayed meme, isn't it? Yes. Shocked face that they kicked out of the move, but we saw with uh, Paige, he was he was assured of of the win with his with his finish. You can do it in different ways. Yeah. There is a there is a man in the background dressed up as a zombie. 
with uh, his with the letter A painted on his chest, and he's dancing strangely. Oh, it's the A of flair, I think. Yeah, it makes slightly more sense. That that but may I be swear, part of the group where we had T-shirt head earlier as well. Yeah, but I swear he had his face and chest painted green. It makes it sense. Like all, yeah, it makes sense. All that lot are uh, friends of each other, doesn't it? Yeah, Savage promo where he just said he's the macho man, not the nacho man. Just heavily referencing this. Um, he's completely forgotten about being done over by the horseman, apparently. Duty calls with the big main event match coming up at the Bash yeah. of the Beach. Yeah, he's moved on. He's moved on from that defeat. Which and, is you know, what he does. He'll forget about defeat and he'll revel in the victory. Yeah, and just in case we've forgotten, the glacier is coming. Yes, not, not like, like that. that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, also, Randy Savage, who had the best answer when he was asked on the kid, British Kids TV programme, is wrestling real? And he said, when I win, it's real. When I lose, I've let the other guy win. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good misdirect. Yeah, here's Mean Gene with Kevin Green. Let's see what Kevin Green's promo ability is like. Mean Gene's hustling again tonight, isn't he? How many interviews is that? Oh, hell yeah. In the ring, on the stage, backstage. Is there like five of him? Multiple Mean Gene. Genuine question. Well, the backstage ones would have been pre-taped, presumably. Oh, Green saying he's got to make a little extra cash on the side after an NFL career with, with, with like full sarcasm. Did they ever really have a score settling, man? Maybe they do a Nitro, I don't know, but obviously very soon we're moving on to bigger and more important things. Mm. Mentions playing for the Panthers. Of course, he's Carolina Panthers and we're in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm with you now. So, do you know what? He's a he's a damn good promo. For a non-wrestler, he's doing really well. He, he was quite good. I mean, if you remember, um, having the two football players do those working out preparation promos, they were they were colourful, they were entertaining, they, they never failed, did they, really? Mm. And he impressed us, didn't he, at the Great American Bash? Kept things simple, worked the crowd, and he was one of the yeah. better star turns. Definitely, one of the better, as was... Uh... Bad bunny at WrestleMania has to be said as well. He was tremendous, but yeah, Kevin Green was really, really good. Yeah. It's funny we've just had that impressive turn, and we're talking about Kevin Green now. It's, I do love it when the two timelines intertwine interestingly like that. Yeah, I mean, watching and similar to what we've just been saying about Barbarian, watching that match, the the work that the Miz did with Bad Bunny in that match was just phenomenal. Just like selling for him and positioning himself and feeding himself into moves for him was brilliant. So would so you like to hear a story quickly? I just want to give you a very quick yeah. story. So um, WCW had a kid and a kid said, Dad, can I have the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase? And WCW said, no, we have the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase at home. Guess what was at home? 
VK Wall Street in the ring right now. You see how I appropriated that classic meme? That, no, never mind. And then, and then, not very long after this, the Million Dollar Man will come to WCW. Yeah, and then they didn't need the one they already had at home. Oh, look, we're getting yeah. a third Kevin Green appearance now. And the second or third Savage appearance. We've had one backstage promo, one run in, oh, and now this. Of course he has, yeah. So, um, is this going to follow the Macho Man Nitro formula? I mean... I'd be stunned sure, if it didn't. Yeah, I'm sure a man of the experience of VK Wall Street could just sleepwalk through a match with Savage like this. Absolutely. he He's going to work the template. Uh, Savage is going to sell. Whoops, mischarge, double axe handle, body slam, elbow, out of there. Maybe Kevin Green will give him a, a tackle as well. Look at that singlet. That is awful. It's dreadful, isn't it? It makes you wish he was wrestling in a suit and tie again, doesn't it? Yes. Look, Savage is not happy, understandably, and he's actually getting all the early offense in. So, oh, he's using the dirty tactics as well. Yeah. So we have an angry Macho Man taking it out on VK Wall Street. Named, of course, after Vince McMahon's initials, VK McMahon, which probably 0.0001% of the audience got. You would think, Dean, that now that they have well and truly stumbled on something truly exciting and interesting with this outsider's angle, you'd think that'd compel, compel them to... And Sorry, I'll just say Wall Street's just shoved Kevin Green, who's not happy. But you'd think that'd compel them to ditch all their lame duck tasteless references to WWE because they've struck gold. But no, they're going to keep wheeling out VK Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, I mean they could have just renamed him Michael Wall Street again and not mentioned VK Wall Street ever again and you know that way that wrestling does changes people's names and never real references why yeah and if we ask why the answer is because fuck you <laughs> no the answer is because WCW oh, I suppose, yeah it could be either it could be both I mean, we could rename this podcast because fuck you, but I don't know how many listeners we'd get. We might get a completely different demographic, I won't lie. Very, very true, yeah. We'd have to uh, plant some pampas grass outside the uh, banqueting table. But do you know what? If they really wanted to get some revenge on the horseman... And Mongo McMichael, you think they just go and smash that banquet table up? Or better yet, put VK Wall Street through it, kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, but we've had uh, we've had Lex Luger chokeslam through that banqueting table before. Yeah, but, but Wall Street was uh, in charge, but he's uh, just ducked his head down too soon, and Savage has caught him, and now Savage is back in charge again. This isn't following the formula so far. No, but these two will be very familiar with each other. I'm pretty, pretty sure Macho yes. Man and IRS had a few matches. Considering mm. Macho Man at that stage, if you're looking at like 93s, 94s, was winding down. Probably did a few house show runs with IRS. Yeah, must have done. Especially after Ted DiBiase retired. 
the real one, not the pound shop one in the ring right now, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Aldi value range with gold trim and a big dollar sign on his outfit. Isn't he the right one? Well, I feel bad for making an Aldi reference there because a lot of Aldi food is actually quite nice. But um, some of it's shit. Some of it's nice. Yeah, it, it really is potluck, isn't it? There's st- oh, one thing I will sing from rooftops is it's the place to go buy a steak. They do really nice fillet steak for four pound fifty a steak. Oh really? Oh, for, you, you know, you're looking at for a good fillet steak. You're looking at about six quid from any other supermarket. Get involved, yeah. Dean. I don't. I have. I have a little near me, but not an Aldi. Do little still do Mr. Chock? Those little <laughs> fake mini Mars bars and Milky Ways. I love those. Diabetic, you idiot. Oh, Sammy's up <laughs> to the top rope. We're in position for the big elbow. And, oh, Wall Street rolled out the ring. Very did. interesting. I, I didn't ask you to eat a vat of them, you donut. I'm asking you, do they still <laughs> stock them? I don't know. I don't buy them. Oh, oh he, and, went, he went for green and he got posted. Yeah. He just looks so and twice natural. now, twice now, Wall Street has gone to the been knocked down from the, from the move, and immediately has started adjusting his outfit, which yeah. is something I hate. Vader used to be really bad at that, but what? he's now in position for the big elbow, and yeah. Savage lands it. Oh wow, he lands it as well. I was going to say I, de- I didn't think he was going to roll out the ring on that one. Not after Kevin Green got his his finishing touches on. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes that elbow barely grazed you, but he really landed that one. Pretty feels really comfortable with Rotunda. Yeah. But yeah, that was decent. And the fact that it wasn't completing out of formula helped. Indeed. Pulls you in a little bit more rather than just... Because otherwise you can actually autopilot sleepwalk through a match if you know exactly how it's going to go, can't you? We've got... Pro, we got a pre-tape promo. So they've just said that it's first pinfall wins. So we have got that situation where Savage, oh, Savage, where Sting and Luger could lose the tag belts without being involved in the pin. Which really leads you to believe that that's exactly why they've booked it. What happened? Yeah, but it also makes you wonder why on earth, if you're the champions, why on earth you'd sign up to that that match. Yeah, but I, I do have some sad news, Dean, going by that very happy, unified, babyface promo of the two cutting. Knowing where we're going now with the storyline, I have to say yeah. that it doesn't look like there is no longer any deal between Sting and Luger. Or, or we know that the, the deal between Sting and Luger is that they're on the same page. Yeah, it's an actual deal rather than a what's the deal, which is yeah. much better, obviously, because that's why they always ask, what's the deal? Yeah. So here comes Harlem Heat, and Booker T is on the phone for some reason. Which is a nice reminder that you could actually have a mobile phone in 1996. Yeah, I had a mobile phone in 1996. It's only a couple of of centimetres shorter than a Paulie's special. Yeah. But it's getting smaller. Massive. A massive great brick with a with a flip thing and an and that's the other thing an aerial you had to pull an aerial up to apparently make a difference. I think it made fuck all difference. Yeah, yeah. see now I I just got into the glory era. My first mobile phone was legit a thirty two ten the classic Nokia thirty two ten year two thousand. I got my first mobile phone. 
Uh, mine, mine was a Motorola Flip because um, I was at university and I was doing my tape trading, so I needed a phone to be contacted. Ah. Yeah. Uh, I remember the, the other popular one at that time was the Baby Ericsson. Do you remember the Baby Ericsson? Can't say I do, but this makes me think of uh, Alan Partridge asking if anyone's got a battery for an Ericsson. <laughs> oh, someone just yanked Scott Steiner's jacket and he uh, just turned to have a word with them and the camera suddenly cut to the crowd. Someone's just been... Oh dear, and, and Rick's on... Rick's in the ring on his own. I, oh, here comes Scott. And they've I am, tried to and hide that from the production. On. Yeah, he hasn't got a jacket on. Something bad has happened there. While he very quickly like decimated a real person, they quickly yes. cut away. That was a long crowd shot. That was awkward. That is worth... Uh, I... I I wish I had the technology and the know-how to gif something, but if we could gif that, that is worth gifting. Yeah, well, I will point out also that both Scott and Rick Steiner are friends of mine on LinkedIn, or contacts, I should say, more specifically. They are contacts of mine. Because why not? Why not? See, we we need to to tap up... uh, our old El Lariato or someone like that to give it up yeah although he's got to be very careful do you realise how many times he's been suspended from Twitter oh really yeah he he has to make sure he has some blessing to to give up things or that they're just not paying any attention to what he's doing yeah but he has been flagged a few times I think he's in like his fourth or fifth version of the account oh god So, this is, this is a main event I'm looking forward to. They announced it at the beginning. I thought, that should be a good main event. And it's been a yeah. decent show that's flown by, relatively speaking. Got a little bit of time left. This obviously not going to run Broadway, but it's going to be longer than any other match on the card so far, surely. Yeah. Has, has Sting had a bit of a haircut? His, his hair looks a bit shorter than before. Mm. I, I finally had a haircut, by the way, for the first time in four <laughs> months last week. Nice segue. I, I've got time for that. I Fuck. can't tell you the, the relief at something simple, as simple as getting your haircut. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to going to an outlet at the weekend. That's going to bring me great joy. I see. Is that the uh, I can't remember the name of it now in by Shep, um, in East London by um, Stratford? That's Westfield Shopping Centre. Uh, one thing I learned recently is there's a there's a outlet of shops inside the O2 that I didn't know was there. Don't yeah, know then. when that started. Yeah, apparently so. Um, but we'll be going to Ashford in Kent, which is a very good. Oh. One. Also recommend Portsmouth, I, uh, which I'm sure you must have been to. Portsmouth out. Gunwharf Keys, yes, and Ashford's a town I'm very familiar with because, of course, it was the hometown of Hammerlock Wrestling back in the 90s. Indeed. In fact, at this very moment in time that we're looking at, June 96, Hamlock would have been running. We uh, we have had a uh, we have done our Adam Bomb tour, and we're a few months away from a Jim the Anvil Nightheart tour. Watching you Nitro emulating guys like Disco Inferno. 
<laughs> yeah. I assume that's what you guys were doing at, at this point in time. Everyone was. And it's interesting as well that this is being billed as a triangle match, which is a name that kind of disappeared. It's just become a three-way match or three-way dance. Yeah, for me, in WCW parlance, it is a triangle match. ECW yeah. was the three-way dance and WWE was the triple threat match. For me, that's, that is the way. Yeah. It's, it's true, isn't it? I like the, you know, the same match had its own brand in each one. I'm a fan of that. And as you know, we're writing the... Uh, the WCW fan fiction, currently up to 2007, in there, the triple threats are all triangle matches because that is what they are. Uh, the few times I've run a, a match in a Hell in a Cell-style cage, it is Caged Heat, which is the name it used there. And there's, there, there's other such examples. Triple Threat Theatre was one, for which was what WWE called Three Stages of Hell. I use all the WCW branding when I can. Nice. So we're starting tentatively. It really is going to be at least a 10-minute match here. We've got Scott Steiner and Booker T, who, outside of like the obvious ones like Sting and Flair, this is one of the most WCW matchups you can get, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, these guys went into sing- transitioned into singles and went all the way up to the world title. And, and if you remember that um, that special episode we did a, a little while ago, looking at the 20-year anniversary of the death of WCW, um, when we're asking people, you know, what would you have booked for the Big Bang, the, the majority of people who replied to us said Steiner v. Booker world title match is the main event. Yeah, which makes sense because he'd, he'd have had a rematch due. You had Booker T win the title on that last Nitro. And that, that yeah. lends credibility to it. The way that managed to feel special despite having Vince McMahon's claws all over it was because the two marquee matches were Sting Flair in the main event and title for title opening the show was Scott Stein Booker T. Two of the most WCW matches you can put on. Mm-hmm. So they're picking up the pace now in this match. It's still only the Steiners and the Heat who have been in the ring, I believe. Oh, yes. I was just about to say, interesting, that the champions have just stayed. And, oh, now, just as we say that, Sting quite reluctantly makes a tag from Scott Steiner and faces off with um, Stevie Ray. Mm, a very tense tag with a stare down completed with it as well. But here comes uh, Stevie Ray versus Sting. Booker T versus Sting will be interesting, if you remember Uncensored. Ah, yes, of course. The the Road Warriors have disappeared now after that brief spell. Yeah, they've gone. Don't know what happened to them at that point, if they'd gone to Japan again, or if they just got injured, or if they just left. Who knows? Yeah, well, obviously the WWE return wasn't until just before WrestleMania, and I enjoyed that match they had with the Nation of Domination and Ahmed Johnson. wasn't a great WrestleMania, but that was a fun weapons plunder mm. fight. Yeah, now that was a great move. Booker T went for a, like a flying axe kick, missed, and just seamlessly landed crotch first across the the top rope. It just it. You know, you can sometimes get 
de- what I'll call a deliberate botch, you know, a transition spot where a wrestler misses a move and it looks so contrived. You can see exactly what they're trying to do. Mm. He, that was the complete opposite. He made that look effortless and very, very natural. We said about this in a couple of other matches. There, there, there is such a thing as a botch thing where it comes across as, as naturalistic is what I like to, to, mm. to express it as. When you when you can have something that just comes across as two guys trying to wrestle, and you know having those ugly exchanges sometimes, but th- that's why the um the Guerrero Barbera match was just that one black mark on it. it wasn't necessarily the botch itself, but it was that awkward pause afterwards and the stomp, wasn't it? Whereas Eddie Guerrero really should have just carried on like yes he he intended it to be like that all along because after all he was on top of Barbarian and in control of the exchange. Mm. Yeah. Overanalyzing this again, aren't I? Sorry. <laughs> well, we are going for a last commercial break. Do love an overanalysis. So, what what has to be the last commercial break? And they did say if the match finished with show an instant replay, but surprisingly enough, the match did not finish during the commercial break. I would love for that to have actually happened one day. So, a little bit awkward, guys. Here's what happened, and now we're going to chat for the last eight minutes. <laughs> so, Sting is being singled out here, and Stevie Ray now in the ring, having just made the tag from Booker T. It's not been bad so far. And obviously, you've got to remember, the triangle matches are very fresh at this point in time, aren't they? It's still a very yes. intriguing thing. We had that Starcade 95 so-called triangle match with Sting, funnily enough, Sting and Luger and Flair to advance to the main event. And that just obviously didn't work with the tags and with the impromptu yeah. title match. So this this so far is a bit more serviceable. Yeah. Giovanni just mentioned that uh, Luger is the only person who hasn't been in the ring at all. And he is getting the crowd, Luger is getting the crowd involved and cheering on Sting. That is a bit more on brand for um, for Luger, isn't it? Because yes. he would always sit at these matches before when he was with Jimmy Hart. <laughs> Well, just the the disingenuous babyface, isn't he? Lord, I, I, I'm already suffering with jewels from that. <laughs> I'm like woman at ringside managing a match without cheating. I, I just, oh. yeah, I'm a state. Oh, like, yeah. So uh, yeah, because Harlem Heat were tag champions in the. Nitro era, weren't they? And Shiv only just referenced they've all held the belts. Steiners yeah. have not presumably held it since the the early 90s days that we always cover with frequency because our guests love it. Mm. So, this is an intriguing setup. And of course, two sets of real life brothers. Yeah. Booker T goes up top, misses a big splash from the top. Again, gets really good hang time in the air, but it looks like Sting is finally going to be able to crawl over to his corner. Indeed, he does. Tags in a completely fresh Lex Luger, who is now cleaning house on both members of Harlem Heat. And the Steiners are staying put on their tag ropes. 
Good strategy from Luger. Wait, waited to burst from the peloton. Sorry for the uh, cycling analogy. But this is when you deploy your fresh man. Wow, now Luger has just hit a power slam. He's signaling for a torture act. And Scott Hall and Kevin Nash have just oh. walked through the crowd over the rail. And all of a sudden, we have got <laughs> a shitload of police. Wow, oh, we had a shitload of police running the ring, and I think one of Harlem Heat rolled up one of the Steiners, was that? I'm not, I didn't quite catch it. That's what Schiavone's called. (laughs) That was clever. They've got this big showdown where everyone's united, but Harlem Heat had the wherewithal to get a pin, and they got their belts back. Yeah, I didn't catch who, but one of Harlem Heat pinned one of the Steiners, I think. I think it was so, Rick, because I saw Scott called, standing up for the As we off. called, the, the Luger and Sting lost the belts without being involved in the finish. And I don't even think they're aware of it at the moment. Because, of course, but Hall and Nash are here. They've got bats, or one of them's got a bat. So they're mm. obviously looking to do some serious damage, which which explains the security. Heenan's doing a great job of putting it over you. When you consider the amount of attacks and things like you, you're having on the show and the brawls and that, Heenan's really trying to put over that this isn't this isn't a wrestling attack. They're looking to to perform an assault. Yeah. Well, I think they're they're cops because they've got guns. Armed so... policemen, or they can well. easily be gimmicks and and fake props. But yeah, it's still putting over the fact that armed security police is uh, required for this. Mm. Yeah, it's a very important thing to differentiate with the amount of attacks you have on a, on a wrestling show normally. And this is on a, on a side rant. This is part of the reason why a lot of Vince oh. Russo-style stuff was always... Uh... Oh, here we go. I'll, here, I'll go on to that in a sec. He oh, rolled it up Luger. It was Luger. Beg your pardon. With the other Harlem Heat, he's uh, helping on the outside, like grabbing grabbing the arm through the ropes. And, and Luger, Luger gets completely up. no sells it. He kind of shakes so it off Steve, because well, he yeah, has to, doesn't Stevie he? Stevie Ray rolls up Lex Luger, and Luger just pops up no sells it and goes back to confronting confronting um the outsiders. I thought he did a good job, Luger, because he's kind of obviously the gravitas of of the situation. He's He's got a yeah. little look on his face where he's like, oh, bugger. And, but he's, obviously, he needs to get up. And No, I thought that was all right. I, I kind I kind of like that finish. That was novel. Yeah. But I was no, going, it was diffed, certainly different finish. Yeah, I was going to say on a side rant, because um, putting the clear, this, the, the, the stress of why two guys performing the running on a show that has run-ins and attacks and that all the time, is important because if you think of like Russo, but not just Russo, but other book when they really overkill things and they're having like vehicular attacks every week and mm. smashing up property and all that, it, it, it devalues it and it dilutes the effect of it. Well, it was just two guys with baseball bats. That was all they needed. And then your, your security, your cops coming down and yeah, it worked really well. Yeah, so. Heenan is Heenan is leaving for his own safety. 
and uh, leaving Shivani to sign off. But that that is it for this Nitro. I thought, well, I thought that was a really good show, all in all. I think I'm stay for everything we've said so far. I'm stating the obvious, but I might we might as well make it official. Uh, let me know if you agree. Best two hour nitro so far. I think so. Yeah, I would agree with that. That was the first was, one that went and didn't drag. Yeah, it flowed a lot better. It had yeah coherent coherent stories and it more it coherent than you, of, Dean. Yes, indeed, <laughs> and it had. It had bits of fillers and it had promos and trailers, but nothing excessive, nothing to make you feel that it's being padded out. Yeah, as we said, there was some of that, but they're moving along with it. A much higher percentage of the replays and that were for a good purpose. For instance, anything surrounding the outsiders, it makes a world of sense to hammer it home. Fair enough. Yeah. Indeed, so that will make sense. We did also have a, I'm just reading, we had a dark match after this because I was, I did think it was odd that, you know, on a on an episode of Nitro, coming from Charlotte, we didn't have Ric Flair, or, or apart from in the backstage segment, which is very odd, but he uh, he was in a dark match against Randy Savage. That so makes yeah. sense because obviously, they, they, I mean, it, it, it's kind of contradicted by the fact they had the horseman do attack with the exact same pitfalls, but you'd imagine that they didn't want him televised in his heel race, very much a heel, uh, and and being cheered. There's not really much you can do. So that makes sense. But you've still got to give the fans what they want. Yeah. But not just that, but if if you know Ric Flair's in the main event, no one is going to leave that building before Ric Flair comes out. So you know that you've got a full house for that closing angle with the outsiders. That's very true. That's a good point. Yeah. So uh, next week... Um, our main event is um, an eight-man tag match where the all four horsemen take on Joe Gomez, the Renegade, and the Rock and Roll Express. Well, that's going to be a bit of a foregone conclusion, but it may give us a bit more of the background story between Gomez and McMichael. Yeah. Um, we also have Harlem Heat defending their newly won tag belts against the Steiners. Um, and we've got, um, I don't know what this match is going to be like. Greg the Hammer Valentine against Randy Savage, and also oh. the Giants defends the world title against John Tenter. A rematch from WrestleMania 4. <laughs> wow, I'm looking forward to that one in a, in a perverse way. Yeah. Um, over on Raw, um, it was a taped Raw, I do believe. Um, was it a tape draw? Yes, it was, because they tape they tape at the beginning of the month, I think, don't they? Oh, no, 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 hold on. Took place... No, it's nothing. This was live. The June the 24th edition of Raw took place on the June June the 24th. So, yeah, it was. Must have been live. Uh, Ahmed Johnson, the Intercontinental Champion, beat Hunter Hearst Helmsley with the Pearl River Plunge. Remember that? Skip yes. and Zip with Cloudy, who was... Unfortunately, I remember space. that as well. Yeah, did uh, defeated Brooklyn Brawler and Jerry Fox. So that's squash all over it. Um, and then a six-man tag, Vader, Owen Hart, and David Boy Smith with Jim Collette and Diana Hart-Smith defeated Aldo Montoya, Savio Vega, and Barry Horowitz. This isn't jumping out to me as so anything special <laughs> right now. And The Undertaker defeated uh, Steve Austin by disqualification. Oh, there we go. There's your main event. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, I, I always have fond memories of Undertaker Austin at Cold Day in Hell because you got 
you know, two superstars in a in a main event match. But it was obviously it was early form Austin, and it's it's a much more interesting thing than than seeing the two dozen matches they had since. But that in '96 is going to be even more fascinating. And I will say, as as much as his whole business model now just really bores and irks me at the same time, I will say one thing about Jim Cornette is I was a big fan of Camp Cornette as a faction. Yes. Me too. Underrated faction camp. I like I like that little group. Indeed. Right. Well, um, that brings us to the end of this episode. Um, thank you very much, wherever you may be uh, in the world. Thank you very much for taking the time and trouble to download it and listen to us. And congratulations if you made it this far. Um, <laughs> We can be followed if you don't already follow us on Twitter at Because WCW. We're also on Facebook if you search for Because WCW. And you can download all of our back catalogue at becausewcw.podbean.com. Or, of course, wherever you get your podcast from. So we will be back very shortly with another episode. So, on behalf of Liam, this is me, Dean, saying thanks for listening. We'll see you ringside.